Welcome back to another episode of Checking In. In studios this morning, I have with me Angie Lore, founder and president of Hope Outreach. Thank you very much for coming in, Angie. Thank you. Good morning. Great to see you. You have an incredible story, Angie. You have an incredible story. And uh, I know <laughs> you are so looked up to in, the, in this community. Oh, thank you. Uh, and and it's it's a privilege to have you here today. So thank you. So maybe uh, maybe you can give us a little backstory on uh, how and when and why you came to Kelowna, and okay. uh, a little bit of history would be helpful. Um, yeah, born and raised in Winnipeg. Um, like we discussed, my parents as well were immigrants. Uh, my mom actually escaped out of Russia before World War II and, and had a very tragic life, um, uh, really escaping from that. Um, then immigrated to Canada. Uh, I have one brother, so I stayed in Winnipeg till I was about 40 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband semi-retired, and so I was a little bit younger, still had to work a little bit, so we found Kelowna through just a holiday trip as so many people do and do. said you know I think in five years we need to be out here and and that started the journey to Kelowna. Um, when I was 28 uh, there was a little mishap in my life so I you know was raised probably middle class not that we were wealthy or anything we had great ethics and, and values and you know raised in the, the Christian faith and my parents worked really hard we went to university and, and got good jobs. I went into the printing business of, of marketing and such, and that was kind of the career. And we've got a little, um, you know, commonality there with some people we worked with in the past, which is really nice. Um, yeah, at 28, um, uneducated. And I look today, you know, with looking back of how much education there is today for people surrounding so many things, drug abuse, domestic violence, um, education around jobs, just everything, right? Warnings on packages. None of that it's was available. No. People were still drinking no. and driving. We Nobody were. was wearing a seatbelt. There yeah. weren't any cell phones, right? It was it was a different time. Um, at that time, a lot of my friends had been through university, um, started their own businesses, had good families, children, um, and sadly along came cocaine. And so not being educated, um, you know, everyone has a different journey of, of how that started or what that led them to. Um, my journey is my journey. Mm -hmm. can't be compared to anybody else's mm -hmm. journey, right? We are all individual. And you can never take that brush and say, you know, that's why that happened. Mm -hmm. And we know the story of, you know, what is really underlying. And, and you don't. We were just really uneducated. Didn't know what was going to happen. You know, put this in your pipe and smoke it. And, you know, not that we hadn't smoked a little pot or a little hash in a pipe, nothing that ever destroyed our lives. And so there was many people in, you know, the early 80s and mid 80s that sadly fell into that trap. Um, for myself, I think I was addicted immediately. And so went through a journey of addiction, um, which ended in homelessness, um, ended up in some sex work, trade, and, uh, Miraculously, um, 20 years ago, and, and that's a long time. <laughs> sometimes it seems like yesterday, sometimes it seems like today, but um, you know, came out of that, had the proper help to get me where I am today. 
Um, and hence, yes, when we came to Kelowna, needed to know what was going on in my new community and wanted to see what was out there on the streets and um, went out there one night and was quite disheartened to see the lack of services, especially at nighttime. You know, ladies just roaming the street, being assaulted, being beat up, um, men as well. But because of my own story, we really focus on women. And so a few of us, uh, Kelly Craig, who is our president today of Hope Outreach, um, her and I went out one night and we just started handing out some toothbrushes, talking with the girls. Kelly as well has past lived, ex lived experience. And so they were very easy to relate to us when we shared our stories mm -hmm. with them. And uh, now Hope has grown over the last 13 years to a hundred amazing volunteers in Kelowna. We expanded to Vernon three years ago with 50 volunteers. We've hired a volunteer coordinator. Um, yeah, and, and seeing, sadly, way too many people. I mean, I'm grateful for what we can do. And I'm so grateful for my past that allows me mm -hmm. to be on that front line. Mm -hmm. um, but sad that we're still seeing as many ladies and men that we're seeing. So you, you try something and you, you said you become immediately addicted. And then that's that path or that journey that you had that was 10 years about? Oh, just about 13 years. 13 years, Angie. Mm -hmm. You come from a strong family, a good family. Uh, was there opportunity for them to help or it doesn't work like that? Yeah, so it's, you know, in different stages. You know, we trusted our friends that said, hey, let's try this. It's a lot of fun. Nothing ever killed us before. No one around me ever did any drugs because they just weren't available. Mm -hmm. Maybe in a New Year's somebody would be snorting something in the bathroom. I had no idea what that even was, mm -hmm. nor would I have tried that. I never dropped acid. I never did bennies, anything like that. Just huh. smoked the odd joint. So trusting our friends and our peers that grown up with, you know, put this in your pipe. To me, the vision of an addict was, you know, literally being homeless, what you see in the streets and, you know, nothing against media, um, but they portray a whole different picture than what's actually real. For probably 10 or 11 years, I functioned quite well. Um, had still my professional job, was still in the printing industry, lived like a double life. So probably maybe the last couple years of the addiction was when things again get progressively worse, more things are crossed, you see more things, more PTSD is there, you know, your addiction has grown now. At various stages so in the end the last couple years yes we're we're horrific because things do just get worse but drinking and drugging um, or any kind of substance misuse is usually the icing on the cake mm -hmm. it's because things are so bad with mental health or physical health or poverty or social injustice PTSD whatever that might be that the drugs and alcohol make things easier to handle. And so I think that is the misconception when you think of an alcoholic or a drug addict, you know, they're just, you know, all over the place on the street and whatever, but there's so many underlying issues that that really isn't even the issue. And I think it's... That's just a result of incidences that have happened prior. The, the trauma. And then you look at an organization like um, Journey Home, you look at organizations, uh, there's the Foundry and... Yeah, Bridges and the Foundry yeah. and Journey Home. And yeah, we all meet, um, you know, th thankfully to COVID, um, we all have seen gaps in 
just about everything we do mm -hmm. in every area. And so in our area, we're really focusing on the most vulnerable people. Um, you know, things are very tragic. The community's really coming together. You know, kudos to the city and to Journey Home and to all our shelters and to all the agencies and, you know, the BC government for pouring money into this cause. You know, just the overdose crisis alone. And that, you know, again, media has blown that out. Yes, we have five people dying a day now. That's horrific. That's worse crisis than the COVID crisis. And that's been an emergency crisis since 2016. So Narcan is great. To me, it's a Band-Aid. We can't just keep handing people kits to keep them alive once they've died. Some people are being revived three and four times a day. There has to be underlying services that we can bring these people in, connect them with the right services. I'm not saying it's abstinence for everyone. That was no. my journey, and that's not everyone's journey. But we need to house them. We need to have counseling for them. They need to have access to mental health services. They need to get PTSD addressed. They need to have all of those things attended as well as working on that substance abuse that has just come because of a cause. So you're uh, a real takeaway for me is is around that um, that stigma and and again m media be damned or not there is uh, you know some people will cross the street so that they don't have to walk through so there's uh, there's this real stigma around the individuals that that are uh, drug addicted, homeless, our uh, marginalized population, and and I think we could do better to look past that stigma and look at the individuals and really know that we all are on the same level. No one is better than another, and we're all worthy. Uh, we just have different life experiences that have taken us down different paths. So. You, you, you moved to Kelowna, you have gone through treatment? Uh, in Winnipeg. In Winnipeg. So, yes, I came back into recovery in Winnipeg, went through treatment, went through a, a women's 28-day program as well, um, went through second stage housing, had all the resources to surround me in that first year of recovery. Mm -hmm. And then just went out, um, you know, sitting on boards at, at a shelter, speaking with the United Way, and then yes, when I came to Kelowna, eight years into recovery, um, started hope. And, and judgment is a, a huge thing. I think again, because many people are ignorant, um, you don't really know those underlying issues mm -hmm. that we are starting to talk about, you know, in today's world, we're starting to talk about a lot of things that we never talked about. Um, why is someone homeless? Well, either they've lost their job, maybe they were born into foster care, maybe their parents were addicted, maybe they've been through residential treatment, Maybe they have PTSD. Maybe they've been so abused by their partner. Maybe they don't have an education or a career. I can barely pay my rent on my own as a single person. So when you're only getting $1,100 for disability, 750 maybe for social assistance, you can't even rent a room in someone's house, never mind eat and get through it. So we're the system federally you know, not putting it all on our city. Our city can't ever mm -hmm. carry this all. Mm -hmm. It's too much. The problem is too big. So systematically, we are literally holding our people hostage where they are. 
And so you've got all these things coming in. So they need mental health, they need some housing, they need services to be able to support them to go through to get life skills, to go get an education, right? And that all has to be come together at the same time. You know, stigma is so huge. Um, we focus on our population that's homeless and there's maybe a handful that have some severe problems. But we have so many white collar criminals that we don't talk about. It's just, mm -hmm. oh, look at a guy downtown again, he robbed somebody. How many white criminals living in perfectly <laughs> fine houses? And even the overdose rate, it is middle and upper class men and women who are overdosing more while they're using alone in their own homes. So moms stop the harm. Their children are not the children that we're seeing on the streets that I serve. So there's a whole population that we won't even talk about, but we focus on the homeless and the... That we see? That we see so, on the street. So you're sitting on the sidelines and you, and you, you know intimately what this is like. You know the path you took. You know how devastating and large and larger the problem is getting. You know and understand the lack of funding and support and stigma and everything. And yet you choose to start hope. Angie. Oh my gosh. You know, I so, like to pioneer things. I like to take on a challenge. You know, I had a very strong mother. And so she was quite like that. You know, work for the, the small guy because the big guy's going to make it on his own. You know, we have so many abused women on our street right now as well. You know, we don't like to talk about sex work either. Um, you know, I share my story at, at different degrees because that was just my story, but domestic violence just in the home has increased so much. Um, you know, we're talking and opening the page to discuss other things of racism and Black Lives Matter and appropriate conversation, but again, um, you know, I bring up sex work yeah. and either eyes pop out or people look the other way. It's happening here. And so sex work, any woman should be allowed to work as they want to work, but they should be protected to work. And so again, media, just the newspaper, it's this glorified image of cocaine everywhere and beautiful women and parties. That is not the life of sex work. Why don't we ever talk about the men that are purchasing the sex laborers? Mm -hmm. So we have such huge judgment on the ladies who are maybe trying to put food on the table, putting themselves through university. They are smart women with a lot going on. So it's not just the lady standing on the street corner that is at the bottom of the barrel. So we have massage parlors in our town that we're supporting. Um, again, I'm not a man-hater. I like massage mm -hmm. parlors. I wish we would decriminalize sex work so that our ladies could work safely so that they wouldn't be abused. We have so many bad date reports going on of predators just traveling through the Okanagan. How many missing women do we have, indigenous and white? And all we talk about is how many missing we have, how many missing we have. Well, who do you think is making them missing? Mm. Why aren't we focusing on educating people, men, women, with that stigma surrounding sex work? 
Why aren't we addressing that head on? It's such a hard topic for people to talk about. It is. It's such it, a hidden entity and it's so dangerous now that COVID's kind of settled in. I can't even imagine. Yeah. So that's my focus this year. You're going to see a lot on our, our Instagram, just educating people about sex trade work. What does that look like? What are the misconceptions? What are really going on behind there that um, it is a job just like any job. And so my social vision would be, and many people laugh and I'm going to say it out loud to everyone, you know, if I could open a legitimate massage parlor that would have workman's comp, they would get holiday pay, they would be protected, they would have a license, they would have all the health care that they wanted. And then we would also have, say, the House of Hope again. So should women want to exit, right? So you need both strategies. That's really what Canada should adopt across the country. So here we have Hope Outreach. You have incredible vision. You have, you have, you want to change legislation. You want to uh, bring hope and support and rehabilitation to those that want it when they want it. Am I crazy? It takes money to do that. Well, it does, but it, it's going to take a whole system to change to do that. You know, on one hand, we're decriminalizing it here. On another hand, we're kind of sitting on some laws that are just sitting there. And it's a very dangerous place for women. We have enough abuse against women in all sorts of areas that something needs to be done in that area. Whether it's education, again, you know, I was uneducated through my cocaine addiction. Um, I refuse to have people uneducated to be able to carry that stigma, to be able to carry that abuse. Um, it'll be a long road to get there, but uh, it's going to start this year. Yeah, we've got a couple great programs um, that are probably going to come down the tube this year as well, a little sustainability for hope. Uh, one is going out to educate our community on sex work and what that looks like and the stigmas surrounding it and portrayals, um, more so to staff that work mm -hmm. in our community because we have many women now focusing on sex work. Um, yes, if you don't have an education, um, you're making a good wage. They can't put food and pay for their rent, um, so women are choosing mm -hmm. for various reasons, mm -hmm. good and bad, to go into that because that's all they have left. But if we're not going to protect them on the other end and do something to fill that gap, then what would I be good for, like, right? So your role right now at Hope Outreach, you're currently the executive director, founder, <laughs> president. I almost laugh when that word comes along. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> absolutely everything. Has COVID um, made it more difficult to get uh, fundraising dollars or to get dollars to continue? Do you, do you get funding through government grants? Are you... Are you uh, needing to do you had your gala last mm -hmm. night yes yes uh, the gala went really well thank you everyone who attended and thank you for for being our media sponsor uh, yeah it really went off well but we're all challenged with COVID and learning new things right so um, the province the government of Canada our own community foundations have been really really generous last year so um, you know thanks to COVID mm. um, we have more shelters 
our people have been focused on more because of social distancing and not wanting um, COVID to spread. But on the same hand, um, I think it has challenged all of us, not just HOPE, all the agencies, recovery homes, bridges, everybody that participates in this, to really look deep and really um, dig in deep of doing things differently and still mm -hmm. trying to reach our folks. So for HOPE itself, um, we have grown substantially last year and not necessarily because of COVID. I took on executive director just to get our organization um, a little more sustainable, a little more um, organized, so to speak, right? So I'd um, like to go back to president in a couple years and just take a back seat. Um, so we have been granted, yes, some federal money, uh, Central Okanagan Foundation, City mm -hmm. of Kelowna. There's been so many people coming together to support what we do. So it has allowed us actually to grow this year where many organizations have either closed or not being able to support. UBCO um, has been a huge part of that. So we lost most of our volunteers when COVID hit just because we couldn't go on the street for various reasons. You know, they couldn't go back on the street even though we supplied PPE and everything. Mm -hmm. So we partnered with UBCO in, in nursing and medicine and those amazing students did capstone projects with us, came and volunteered, and all of a sudden our volunteer base went from 25 volunteers to 100, just through the support of the community and those who still wanted to be out there in front line. That is cool. so Yeah, we hired hear. a volunteer coordinator, yeah. so um, Dr. Hannah Gibson, who is all over um, our city doing various things, um, yeah, has just played an integral part of taking that off my plate and really, um, new training system for volunteers, everything's online, everything's modules, so it's really um, been an exciting year, as challenging as it is. Mm -hmm. I guess our biggest challenge um, on the street level is really just to keep our people alive this year, this past year. But if you can imagine, you know, just to be present, just, just for a moment, think of not having food in your fridge, not having a bed, not having socks and underwear. We are talking about our beautiful shoes today, but not even having that, not having anything um, to drink at night, not even water that you could find. I don't know that it's lucky. You just dealt the cards you're dealt, um, but are you grateful for the life that you have? Absolutely. You know, when you're seeing people on the street, you know, just even ask yourself, how did they get there? Mm -hmm. Even if you don't know and you don't understand, you know, look at it with empathy. Mm -hmm. No one wants to put on their resume, I want to be addicted and homeless and having to oh, fight geez. every day for my life. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Not one person would think that and want to do that. So it's just about just changing that thinking of how did someone get there? Can you just give someone a smile? Can you just say hello, Absolutely. if nothing else? Absolutely. Right? And that, that leads me into the, the, I think, probably the final question that I have for you. You've, you've, re, you've been recognized for incredible awards. Your Courage to Come Back Award in 2012, uh, Community Leader Award through the City of Kelowna for the Civic Awards, and then also recognized uh, the other one was the charity, the volunteer 
yeah, Volunteer of the Year yeah. was uh, from our Volunteers for Hope, yes. Yes, I don't know, all awards for the wrong reasons, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> but, but the, the, the question. <laughs> so what is that legacy as, as you're... You know, you teased and joked about retirement. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if what that'll happen. What is that legacy that, that you see in five or ten years from now? What do you hope? hope. What do I hope for what hope? What do you hope for hope? You know, I, I am. Uh, I guess you're not supposed to say you're humbled, but it's even been a mind-boggling journey for myself the past 20 years. I've been very blessed I've had all the people surround me to get me where I am today, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, because of my past is why I like to do and do what I do today. It's more my passion and job-wise. Um, yeah, what would that look like in the future? You know, I'd always stay involved with Hope. I think this will always be something that I do. Um, maybe not full-time, you know, 24-7 sure. like yourself. <laughs> like to pull back from that sometimes but um you know i think this is what i was gifted with and i've recognized that um in the very early beginning and if my voice and my past and whatever that accolades might be and you know i i'm grateful for that but i'm very humbled to be receiving awards for I feel something that we should all be doing anyways. Mm -hmm. Everyone should receive an award. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone should be doing this. Everyone should be out there giving her in whatever your passion is, whether it's gardening or flowering or youth or children. You know, I've chosen this because of my past, but find your gift, um, run with it. And, uh, yeah, I've learned, you know, and I guess because of my past, there really isn't any mountain high enough that I can't climb. I might not go straight up to the top, might take the donkey trail, but the donkey you'll see trail. my little breadcrumbs going around. <laughs> but Angie, I can honestly tell you that it it is so good to know that there is someone like you in community, and I know oh, for a you. fact you're making a difference and you are saving people, uh, and and I know Kelowna and Vernon are are very lucky to have yeah. you and yeah, uh, humbly, humbly, super. It's, I I've so enjoyed your time you've spent with us this yes. morning, and I hope I hope uh, the message of hope uh, continues to make its way to to ears and people within our community that maybe haven't heard. Yes. Thank you so much for inviting me Thanks, and thank Angie. you for supporting us always. Thank you. Take care.